This summer, your local movie theater will become a tent revival for proclaiming Jesus. And you're invited to be a part of this unique evangelistic campaign. Join with believers nationwide for the Million Souls campaign to bring unsaved family and friends to watch the powerful new movie, The Firing Squad, starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. The Firing Squad tells the incredible true story about prisoners who find faith in the face of execution and transform their prison in the process. As the movie ends, co-star Kevin Sorbo comes on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ, providing an on-site opportunity to introduce family and friends to the message of Jesus. Go to FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how you can receive free tickets and more to the Firing Squad and participate in this unique theater event. Bring your friends and your family and bring your faith. That's FiringSquadFilm.com to learn more. Hey, everybody. Stu's back. We talk a little bit about the weird Super Bowl experience that he had where he was just drunk and and spreading co- uh, coronavirus to all the CNN people. You're oh. welcome, Tampa. Uh, so we have a little bit on that. Also, some really disturbing news from the IMF, and it revolves a little bit around the new passport that everybody's uh, talking about now, at least in the uh, circles of the elite. We've got to have some coronavirus vaccination passport. It goes deeper than that. How are you going to get a loan? IMF has solved this, and uh, it's a little frightening. Also, what is happening to the California schools on ethnic-based training? And the woman with Gorilla Glue in her hair. (laughs) Hello, paging Dr. Darwin, Dr. Charles Darwin. All of that on today's podcast. listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Thank you very much. You're Glenn. looking good. You well, smell like beer, but you're looking healthy. You're in the sunshine with Tampa. Yeah, that well, the beer is in the Super Bowl. this morning. Had a little step off <laughs> okay, at the bar. Good. All right, yeah, good, 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 good. Uh, well, I wanted to make sure I got back, Glenn. It's the final week for Chamonix Valentine's Day sale. Ah, you can't miss that. You can't miss that. You can't miss that. You don't that. want to be out for that. No, you don't. Yeah. You only got a few more days uh, to get the brand new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum for free with your order of GenuCell for bags and puffiness. Hmm. With Zotique, you're going to kick adult acne, redness, and stress breakouts to the curb while saying hello to increase firmness and smoothness of the skin Mm. you want that uh you're going to be a visibly younger you my wife my mom both been using chamonix products for a while now they both love them Uh, zotique deep correcting serum combines the purest vitamin c with the brightening benefits of lactic acid for a younger healthier happier looking appearance i don't know what any of that means i will say if you have a valentine's day present uh, your your wife your mom, whoever is going to love it. So get it for them. I generally uh, don't give my mom while well, she's dead, but thanks for bringing that up. Scoop. I didn't even. Uh, I, uh, man, I can't even concentrate now. I'm just so I weepy didn't. over. Thank you. Jeez. I don't usually give my mom, if she were alive, Stu, uh, you know, a Valentine. I don't give her undies. <laughs> so, or I mean, that is weird. So many directions to go here, and I'm going to avoid <laughs> all of them. All of them. I will say. <laughs> <laughs> so many so many there okay so, many so uh shamani uh i will say they'll give you your uh-huh. money back guaranteed if you don't love them so Be no mine, risk at all mom. <laughs> or genucel.com g-e-n-u-c-e-l.com from now till valentine's day get the classic genucel jawline treatment and the luxurious 
Genucell GenuCell Anti-Wrinkle Moisturizer free with your order. Every order gets upgraded to free priority shipping. Don't wait. Order now. 800-577-8709 or GenuCell.com. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. The Seattle Times is reporting today, in the near future, travel may require a digital documentation showing that you have been vaccinated or tested for the coronavirus. Among governments and those in the travel industry, a new term has entered the vocabulary, a vaccine passport. One of Joe Biden's executive orders aimed at curbing the uh, pandemic Ask government agencies to assess the feasibility of linking coronavirus vaccine certificates with other vaccination documents and producing a digital passport. Denmark's government said that in the next three or four months, it's going to roll out its digital passport that'll be able to show people that have been vaccinated. It isn't just governments that are suggesting vaccine passports in a few weeks. Uh, EOD Airlines and Emirates will start using digital travel passes. The International Transportation uh, Association uh, is backing this as well. So here's what they're here's what they're saying. They want to give you a digital passport, whether that'll be a stick or uh, something you scan or whatever that just says I've had all my vaccines. It seems like it's going to be one of these things in your like wallet on your iPhone mm-hmm. where you can like when you board a plane, it's your boarding pass. Yeah. Right. If you have an iPhone, think of think of this to me is white privilege. Think of how many people don't have an iPhone around the world. Think about how many people mm. don't have access to the vaccine. Think about that. So it's they're a not going to be society. It Glenn. is a two-tiered mm-hmm. society, and America is getting it first. I say on this one, we wait until everyone else on the planet has a digital passport. <laughs> wow. Then you give it to us. <laughs> That's so nice of I, you. Glenn. Well, I'm just trying to get. I'm trying to embrace my white privilege here. <laughs> um, let's see. It's all about trying to digitize, uh, digitize a process that happens now and make it into something that allows for more harmony and more ease no oh, that sounds good yeah harmony and ease here's a doesn't it yeah here's a here's a, a, a disturbing paragraph ibm has been developing its own digital health pass <laughs> I, ibm has ibm yeah ibm's uh yeah. they've got a long record of 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 helping sort people out <laughs> i think that's fantastic yeah. you know a completely unrelated uh story uh, a, a, a New York Times bestseller, Edwin Black, wrote a book about IBM and the Holocaust. But that's completely different. This is a digital health pass from IBM, and it would enable individuals to prevent, pre- present proof of vaccination or a negative test to gain access to public locations, such as a sports stadium, airplane, university, workplaces, the mall, stores. The pass built on IBM's blockchain technology can utilize multiple data types, including temperature checks, virus exposure notifications, test results, and vaccine status. Not only is IBM looking into this, the World Economic Forum 
and the Commons Project Foundation, a Swiss nonprofit group, have become have begun testing a digital health pass called Common Pass, which would allow travelers to travel all over the world with all of their information. The pass would generate a QR code that could be shown to authorities. Oh, man. Now, I can't think of what could possibly go wrong here. Um, hmm. uh, one person uh, who, uh, you know, kind of kind of kind of kind of works in uh, in the the uh, digital world uh, said uh, it took us 50 years to develop a global passport system for people uh, because there's a lot of security that goes around along with that. M- maybe we shouldn't rush to one that has access to people's information. <laughs> you could see the risk there a little bit. I, I'm a little, really? I am a little torn Don't you want to get one, back though. to normal? <laughs> Yes, I mean, yeah, I, I know yeah. you're saying that sarcastically, yeah. but yes, I do. And I will say, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, not going to be for a government system like this. I'm not going to say I, I want requirements mm-hmm. of these things. Mm-hmm. I will say, however, it is incredibly frustrating that we live in a country that 30% of the people have had the virus and an additional 10% of the people have been vaccinated. So we're talking about 40% of the population now, mm-hmm. uh, estimated, that should be able to do pretty much whatever they want. But because of largely the left and their uh, this idea of a two-tiered society where we can't allow people uh, to go out and go to restaurants and bars and, and sporting events because uh, then the people who haven't had the virus won't be able to do that. The people who haven't been vaccinated won't be able to do that. And therefore, uh, you know, that's unfair. And it's like, well, I don't know. To the bar owner, do they think... It's unfair. Do they really? Well, you know what? I don't I want to make sure we don't have a two tier society. Therefore, I'm going to let my business collapse completely. Like it would be nice for our economy to allow people who don't have to think about these things at this point, overwhelmingly, to be able to do them. Mm. Well, of course, you would say that. I would because I'm on the right side of it. <laughs> somebody who was at the Super Bowl and has been tested several times mm-hmm. and, and just it doesn't seem to have a problem with it. Oh, the the next virus that is coming out of COVID-19, oh, okay. COVID-20. You didn't have to have COVID-19 to understand 20. Oh, really? Oh, no, <laughs> you can just get 20 and uh, it'll kill you. Dead, 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 like 95 (laughs) percent of the population dead. Really? Because of the mutate. It's coming. It's coming, Stu. It's coming now in again, a completely unrelated article. Let's put those digital passports to the side. okay? because that's convenient for you. In a, e. You said mm-hmm. harmony and ease was your summary? Yeah, harmony and ease. Harmony it's, and ease. It's, okay. it's harmonious, uh, and it's, uh, it's easy, mm-hmm. okay? It's like, I don't know why people don't give the, the TSA their retina scan. Oh, that's, that sounds harmonious uh, and easy. easy. Mm-hmm. You just go in and just <laughs> scan your eyes. The retina is just gives absolutely every bit of information about you. But don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Get on the plane faster. 
in a, uh, a new post from the International Monetary Fund, what's really new in fintech, financial tech? What's really new? Well, the authors uh, suggest that rapid technological change is coming in the financial industry. And in lieu of this change, they're, they're looking at it and saying, well, you know what? What should we be thinking about in the financial industry? So there's, there's according to the IMF and the, um, the European Central Bank, I love the central banks, like the Fed, they're fantastic. They've been doing some research. And they say there's a couple of financial innovations that the world should get on board with. First, information. There are new tools out there to collect and analyze data on customers. That way they can really determine your credit worthiness. And another is communications, a way that we can we can communicate with the bank and the bank can communicate with us. So they're looking at, I mean, the first thing they want to do is determine credit worthiness. And they say the most innovative, uh, innovative um, information uh, piece is, is uh, the new type of data that comes from the digital footprint of customers' various online activities. This will help the banks decide if you're credit worthy for a loan credit scoring they say in the old days was on income employment time assets and debts but that really doesn't give us a snapshot on who people really are so how do we get really good information for instance a lot of kids they can't get loans for you know four hundred thousand dollar house because they just got out of college not and, fair. And that's not fair. How do they establish credit? I mean, we've all said that, right? When we were young, if you won't give me credit, how could I establish credit? Right? Right? Well, that's what the IB that's that's what the IMF is all about to make sure that kids can get credit. So what they're going to do is they're looking at at different information on certain kinds of people like entrepreneurs, innovators, informal workers. Maybe there's just not enough information available. So what do we do? Well, they've resolved the dilemma by tapping into various non-financial data, the type of browser and hardware used to access the Internet, the history of online searches and purchases. Now, why would my bank need to know what I've been searching online for? Why? Recent research documents that once powered by artificial intelligence and machine learning, these alternative data sources are often superior to traditional credit assessment methods and can advance financial inclusion. Mm. So the type of browser used could potentially indicate a different ranking for browsers that heavily track users like Chrome. But if you use Brave, that emphasizes privacy. So uh, I don't know if you are really credit worthy. 
So the IMF seems to be suggesting that the banking network is going to begin using a history of online searches and purchases to determine your credit worthiness. So if I read CNN and I buy sports magazines, I'm good. If I listen to Fox or I read my news from the Blaze or Daily Wire, <clears throat> have you bought food preparation stuff? Have you even been looking at that kind of stuff? Because that makes me a little worried that you might not be able to make a car loan. So I'm not sure we can give you that loan. <sighs> Wait a minute. Hold on just a second. I just saw another piece of data. Apparently, he's been against digital passports, too. I don't know if we can even have him as a bank customer. He's that kind of crazy. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So there is something going on in California that uh, is quite disturbing, quite disturbing. We have taken critical race theory. Uh, and we're putting it into K through 12. And it is going to divide us in little groups. I mean, look at how we already are so divided. And it's all coming under the equal rights. Hey, let's all let's 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 all end racism. No, that this is going to further it. This is really dangerous stuff that's happening in California. And uh, uh, Wen Yin Wu is the executive director of Californians for Equal Rights. Uh, uh, Dr. Wu is also um, uh, also one of the people that that brought the lawsuit. I think it was against Harvard or was it Yale that that Biden just dismissed uh, about how they were just dismissing Asians because we have too many Asians here. Too many Asians. And it's okay to to apparently do that to Asians. Yeah. Uh, certain yeah. groups, it's okay to discriminate against, yeah. as, as Ibram Kendi has told us. Uh, so, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Wu, welcome to the program. How are you? I am good. Good morning. Thank you for having me today. And please see you when you end. Thank you. Can you just, uh, let's just get a quick comment on uh, the dismissal of your case uh, in the Ivy League schools by the uh, government this, this, this week. Right. Right. So in 2016, May 2016, my home group, Asian American Coalition for Education, brought a federal civil rights complaint against Yale on its alleged anti-Asian discrimination in admissions. And after a two-year investigation by uh, the Trump administration's Department of Justice, they concluded that Yale, in fact, discriminated against Asian American applicants with quotas, high standards, and stereotypes, all these, you know, good mm -hmm. stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and last year, last August, DOJ launched a federal lawsuit against Yale as a result of our civil rights complaint. So we were very happy to, 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 to see that, um, uh, that result and that lawsuit. But uh, we, 
it's kind of um, expected that the Biden administration uh, would roll back, would dismiss this lawsuit. Wow. Just not eight days after the administration signed an executive order um, combating anti-Asian xenophobia and racism. So you see the glaring irony here, right? So are they really for equal rights? Are they or they're just about um, ideological uh, racial spoils and identity politics? So uh, let me switch now to California, uh, because the same kind of thing is happening in California on a mass scale with the ethnics studies, um, the uh, curriculum that has been released. Uh, We have seen the first draft. I know they're up on the third draft now, um, but some of these things uh, are really disturbing. First of all, it seems to be the motive to put everybody into a little category, a little box and make sure you understand your divisions. Um, there is a, in the curriculum, a historic U S social movements, black lives matter, me too, criminal justice reform, but it also includes boycott divestment and sanctions movement for Palestine descri- described as a global social movement that currently aims to establish freedom for Palestinians living under apartheid conditions. Holy cow. It also (laughs) teaches that the 1948 Israel War of Independence, they refer to that as Nakba, which if you know anything about the Arab world, uh, that is Mm -hmm. uh, what they call the Day of Independence in Arabic. It means catastrophe. John Lewis, Martin Luther King, Justice Thurgold Marshall were not in uh, the the, uh, influential people section. However, Pol Pot was in uh capitalism classified as a form of power and oppression although classism homophobia islamophobia and transphobia were listed as forms of oppression anti-semitism was not uh what what is this (laughs) this is this is science fiction becoming reality so uh, before we delve into the you know the de- the technical details of this very divisive and problematic third draft third and final draft of ethnic studies model curriculum i would like to just talk a little bit about uh, my background and also how i got involved um in a bigger uh, context so currently as you introduced i am with californians for equal rights a nonpartisan and nonprofit organization with a mission to promote the principles of equality and merit. And uh, between fighting for equal education rights of Asian American students from my home group and defending California's constitutional principle of equal rights and pushing back this ideological invasion of critical ethnic studies in California's K-12 education, okay, but, I but see an... In- when you end, right. I, I think that... In the old days, uh, people would have thought, well, then, you know, Glenn Beck and Wenyu and Wu have, you know, they're on different sides of the. Uh, no, I think we both <laughs> define equal rights the, in an opposite way than what is now being uh, pushed in California. We're, you're saying, let's understand that uh, everybody has the same access and the same rights that's not what's being taught now. No, not at all. Not at all. And this is very, very dangerous. So the movement in California regarding this ethnic studies model curriculum, 
I, in my opinion, must be understood in relation to these systematic assaults on equal treatment and merit in the Golden State and beyond. In 2020, I had the honor to be part of uh, the heroic non-16 campaign, which successfully defeated a racial preference ballot measure, Proposition 16, on the state ballot, with an impressive margin of 57% versus 43%. And that, even though I can, so if yeah. people don't know, that was uh, the vote to reverse the discrimination laws that you you could discriminate. For social justice, right. right? Okay. Right, right, exactly. So that ballot measure would have brought, would have reversed a very important principle in the California Constitution, which clearly states that the state shall not discriminate against or grant preferential treatment to any individual or group on the basis of race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin in the operation of public employment, public education or public contracting, but the California state legislature is perennially obsessed with race and is even currently considering a list of bills that would have reinstated racial preferences in a number Mm. of public policy areas. And these race-obsessed lawmakers also have powerful allies, such as the University of California um, teachers unions and even the California Chamber of Commerce, which all endorsed racial preferences last year. And in the meantime, it's crazy. And in the meantime, you know, our quality of K-12 education in California continues to decline with low income and minority students being hurt the most. So, for example, over 60 percent of California students, grades 3 to 11, cannot do math proficiently. And only 50 percent can read proficiently. Oh, my gosh. And there is a persistent racial achievement gap of course, but instead of legislating or promoting policies that address root causes behind the gaps and the dismal state of public education, these politicians and civil servants, I, I call them ideologues, they want to perpetuate the problem, first with racial preferences, then with dumbing down the standards, and now with political indoctrination in this very divisive ethnic studies model curriculum. And I would like to you know, go into... Uh, talking about this critical ethnic study okay, so, curriculum. All right, so hang on. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Wu, Executive Director of Californians for Equal Rights, about the new curriculum. This is important to you because it will be coming to your state. In some form or another, this is being introduced into your schools, uh, and you need to be on the gates of your education and make sure that this does not pass those gates. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. If you are ready for some really great news, keep listening. Built Bar is back and it is unbelievable. If you've been listening to my show this year, I love Built Bars. Uh, It's an all-American story. This is a client I asked to be on the show because I didn't listen to my wife again. And she'd been telling me about it, but it has protein bar on it. And those always taste like a doormat. This is unbelievable. The mint brownie flavor. Oh, yes, baby. It is life-changing. The new bars taste better than ever. In addition to the 12 original flavors, Built Bar just added cookies and cream, carrot cake, caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp. I mean, it's just, it's 
great. Built Bar, delicious, nutritious, high protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carbs, 100% real chocolate, and 100% really good. Plus, they've reset the code for this new launch. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code BECK, get $10 off your first order. Promo code BECK, BuiltBar.com. Brace yourself, because this is going to come as a complete shock to you. Facebook was the social media network most used to organize the January 6th Capitol riot. Now, this is according to an analysis of the Department of Justice charging documents. The program on extremism at George Washington University has collected the indictments of 223 people. Now, these were people charged in participating in the Capitol riot. It's, weird. it's what's weird about this is Facebook was used by 73 of the people charged with crimes. That's more than all of the other social media sites combined. So how come Parler was banned? It's always such a strange target to me, right? Like, I mean, Parler has its good points, but it was never a dominant social network. You know, I mean, it was well, it was a, with those crazies. I guess that was the idea, right? Yeah. Like that the people we already banned off of Twitter keep going there. Yeah. So no, they actually were at Facebook <laughs> more than any other, more than all of the other social networks combined. That should say something. So why was Parler banned and why was Parler banned from using Amazon's online infrastructure? I mean, look at what happened to them. It was only used by eight of the people charged. Out of 220, only eight were on Parler. Google, Apple, remove Parler. This is collusion. This is, honestly, this is Detroit, the big three auto manufacturers, putting Auburn out of business. Putting the Duesenberg company out of business. That's what it is. They know what's good for them, and they got to get rid of any of the com- uh, competitors. And so they will collude to destroy their competitors, anybody who's coming up. You know, and I, not, again, no knock on Parler. I like Parler, and the, a lot of, I know some of the people behind it are real free speech believers. Like, this is why they started this. Like, right, they, right. So, but it's like, I think it's bigger than just knocking out their competition. A competition. I don't oh, think it, Twitter it, no, or it, Facebook's or Apple see Parler as competition. They were an upstart network. They were doing what they could get, do to get going. Where I think what they see is they want they want a threat to conservative speech in a very public way. You know, throwing off X or Y person off of. Uh, Twitter sends some level of message, right? But just banning, you can't even go to a secondary platform and say conservative things. That says a lot more. I mean, it says to conservatives, don't even try to get on these platforms. It it ran a deep chill through everyone who does what we do. It's message setting. Because it it wasn't just just that they banned uh, Parler and deleted the apps. It wasn't just that. No. It was... 
you can't use any of the infrastructure of the internet. It's amazing. These people who pushed for net neutrality because, yeah. God forbid, Comcast might slow your Netflix. All of these years, they complained about that. And when you know places like Amazon Web Services are removing an entire app because they say too many conservative things, again, um, that's my summary of that situation, not theirs. But that is totally fine with the same people. That, that oh gosh, you might not be able to watch your uh, you know your Hulu uh, at high enough quality. Uh, that's a real real danger here. So Facebook had seventy three of the people that were charged said they. They were on Facebook and they were organizing through Facebook. Eight used parlor. But listen to this. This is from um, uh, Cheryl Sandberg. She's she said this on January 11th in The Washington Post. She's, by the way, a chief operating officer at Facebook. She said, I think these events were largely organized on platforms that don't have our abilities to stop hate and don't have our standards Mm. and don't have our transparency. Cheryl, looks like you were wrong. Looks like you were wrong. All of your highfalutin hate speech filters didn't apparently catch it. Huh. What's up with that? Let me give you, let me show you where we are headed. You think you have the First Amendment. This story would be in the old days, you know, back in December. Uh, you would have looked at a story like this and went, well, that's why I live in America. And if you didn't understand that America was completely different than every other country in the world, you'd say, well, don't why? Where's their freedom of speech? This story comes from uh, Great Britain, Scotland. A man has been arrested and charged in Scotland, quote, in connection with an offensive social media tweet about Captain Sir Tom Moore. Now, do you know who he was? Sir Tom Moore, he's that old guy. He was like 100 years old. He was a World War II veteran. He was one of the I think he was the first to get the covid vaccine. Well, he died in the hospital treated with pneumonia and then uh you know so yeah COVID 19 so um apparently the uh apparently the whole covid uh vaccination didn't really help him out very much but he was he was knighted by uh queen elizabeth i mean he was a big big celebrity over there and seemed like a really sweet guy so <laughs> A 34-year-old man has been arrested and charged in connection with communication offenses and is due to appear at Lanark uh, Sheriff Court Wednesday, 17th of February. According to the Daily Mail, the 35-year-old Joseph Kelly is due to appear at court and accused of these communication offenses triggering outrage from free speech campaigners. The communication offense in question relates to a tweet that Kelly wrote shortly after Captain Sir Tom Moore's death, which read, trigger alert. I just, please, (laughs) you've never heard things like this or seen anything like this on social media. So please, uh, you are, remove all children. And when I say children, I mean, of course, up to 26 so if they're up to 26 years, if you are 26, you know what? Let's make it easy. 
if you're under 50, please just go back into the crib and pull the covers over your foot because you're not going to be able to handle this. He tweeted, the only good Brit soldier is a deed one. D-E-E-D. I think that's because that's the way they say it. It's got deed. Uh, burn, old fella, burn. <sighs> now, normally what I would do is go, you're an idiot. And I'd move on with my life. <laughs> but that's because we live in this wilderness called America. According to the police in Scotland, the tweet was reported three days after it sat there on the Internet. Three days it sat there. Oh, my gosh. And it comes as the SNP continues efforts to introduce a new hate crime bill that will criminalize stirring up hatred. Now, that doesn't sound vague at all. But Section 127 of the United Kingdom's Communication Act, uh, signed into law under Tony Blair's government, states a person is guilty of an offense if he sends by means of public electronic communication network a message or other matter that is grossly offensive or an indecent, obscene, or menacing character. And he will be liable, according to Section 127, on summary conviction to imprisonment for a term not exceeding six months or a fine not exceeding level five on the standard scale. <sighs> level five. Ooh. Uh, if you don't think that's coming your way, they're already doing it. And you know how they're getting away around the free speech thing? Well, first, they're indoctrinating anybody under 30 uh, to think that free speech isn't really free. You can't, you don't have the right to say something crazy about the government. You don't have a right to hurt people's feelings. What kind of speech needs to be protected? I mean, you can't just say that religious stuff anywhere. What, really? So you want, what do you want to, you want the cat in a hat to be protected? What, what, I mean, nobody's really saying, well, I mean, they will be soon. How dare you put that cat in a hat? Cats don't wear hats. Why would you put a hat on a cat? You know, cats are people too. Mm-hmm. So I'm using this as an example. What time is it? I'm using this as an example for today only because this may seem like, listen to that fuddy-duddy next week when cat in the hat is suddenly really offensive. What kind of speech needs protecting other than the speech that really pisses you off? How do you how are you misunderstanding this? We should point out here so that our speech is is not silenced immediately by all social networks and all across America that uh, Sir Tom Moore did not get the coronavirus vaccine. He was he Oh, won- there's a different guy? He wanted to get oh, it. Oh, he was the guy who he raised had, the money. He raised the money. He raised $45 million for health workers. He was very famous around okay. Britain. He would have had the vaccine. However, he was on pneumonia medicine already and made him ineligible for okay, it. Okay, so good, just good, so, good, good. Just Thank so you. We- <laughs> good. Because I like the other guy, but I like this guy too. Hmm. I mean, I think both of them were great, but I should be banned. I you should, should be, be banned. I should you, be banned. This is what should I happen should to you. be banned. <laughs> we interrupt this never-ending dumpster fire for something less flammable. So let's go to America, where we don't have any dumbers here. And I'd like to talk to you a little before I start this story about Darwin. 
and his theory of the survival of the fittest. Now, uh, lefties who buy into Darwin say that this is the way a worm became a man. Because the dumb worms that didn't have any hands, uh, those worms died out, even though we still have those worms. But they died out and suddenly, boom, he's doing the Glenn Beck program. Isn't that weird? Now, how did that happen? Well, the ones that couldn't defend themselves, the ones that were too stupid or just defective in some way. What a great progressive word, defective. They were eliminated. Thus, we had the idea of eugenics. Let's speed the process up by getting rid of all of our defectives. So it was great. And I've never been for it. Now listen to this story. A Louisiana woman who went viral after struggling to remove gorilla glue from her hair claims that the hospital, nor the company's advice, helped remove the hardened adhesive. She's now considering a lawsuit. Tessica Brown hired an attorney as weighing litigation against Gorilla Glue because while the product's label warns against using Gorilla Glue in your eyes, your skin, or your clothing, it doesn't mention hair. That's a really good point. That's a really good. I mean, if I was reading that, I was like, don't put it on your skin. Don't put it in your eyes. Uh, and don't even get it on your clothing. I would think they didn't mention hair. During Brown's weekend trip to the ER, healthcare workers put acetone on the back of her head. But instead of getting to the root of the problem, <laughs> it burned her scalp. And only made the, goo, the glue gooey before hardening back up because it's Gorilla Glue. Gorilla Glue is today aware of the dilemma and tweeted a statement reading. And that, does, that shows compassion, doesn't it? I mean, that shows you're really taking this seriously when you tweet. Um, we are very sorry to hear about the unfortunate incident that Miss Brown experienced using our spray adhesive on her hair. We're glad to see in her recent video that Miss Brown has received medical treatment from her local medical facility and we wish her the best. The company goes on to reiterate that its product is not indicated for use in or on hair as it is considered permanent. Ha. Huh. I don't know about you, but I think we could lose a monkey tail or two. I think we could uh, I think we could lose, you know, uh, I don't know, the beak that isn't shaped right uh, because some people I mean, I'm sorry, some birds can't uh, gather food. Uh, and so maybe the beak needs to be shaped differently and Darwin would come in. Uh, there are some people that, you know, don't use lawnmower on roof to remove snow. I say let them get chopped up as they're falling down. Let them as they're rolling off the roof and the lawnmower is still running, but it's now in front of them and flipped upside down. 
I think that's good. So the lawnmower lands. You land in the bottom part of the lawnmower with the moving <laughs> blades. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If you're that stupid, your, sh- your hair should stick together forever. And we should know. That we should know who we're dealing with. When she comes in, is like, hey. We should be able to go, oh, yeah, you're the. Na, 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 na.